Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Starving Writer Guild podcast. I'm your host, MC, and once again, it has been, well, it's actually been a week since I've been able to record, so I'm actually recording on time for once in my life. I'm <laughs> really enjoying that. And once again, I'm also enjoying everyone's participation in this series. I really love seeing everyone's takes on uh, what I have to say, uh, especially on Twitter. I'm really loving uh, the discussions I've had with people about, you know, oh, well, <clears throat> this... Uh, I don't know if you should have this this high. I don't know if you should have that that low. This is what I would have in place of that. So continue doing that. Really having a lot of fun. Really enjoying that. So we'll move on uh, to what I've been watching. Well, uh, I just finished uh, the other day, which would be yesterday, She-Hulk, uh, the entire show. So my thoughts on that. Over, <clears throat> I would say overall, I do feel positive on the show. But uh, let me focus on the positives first. <clears throat> Definitely, uh, they nailed her um, her fourth, fourth wall breaking tendencies that would appear. Um, what was it? Burn that first did it. I, I can't remember for the sake of my life. Uh, back in the eighties, and I know Slot did it a little as well when he was writing her. So I do like uh, the fourth wall breaks because it brings something a little new to the MCU. Uh, and in a different, she's not in a Deadpool kind of way. Uh, she Hulk has always been different with how she's broken the fourth wall in that respect. So I did enjoy that a lot. Um, definitely, <laughs> I mean, the law parts were really well done. Um, I, I remember reading something forever ago that said, oh, they, did, they didn't want to write law scenes at all because they didn't understand it, and I think people were blowing that out of proportion. I mean, because the end result is really well done. Overall, I'm not a lawyer, so I couldn't tell you. <laughs> you know exactly what they got right, what they got wrong. But I will say, uh, those were fun. Uh, yeah. The cameos, like, you know, one of the reasons why we were here was obviously to see Daredevil back again. And it's so happy, I'm so happy to see Matt in that new costume. They actually made the golden red look amazing, which, if, for those who don't, who don't know, Daredevil started off in a yellow and red color scheme. You could argue it was gold, too, there. But it looked amazing on set, and his chemistry with Jennifer was awesome. Uh, really fun playing with the two of them in that regard. Uh, now, as far as everything else, uh, the... The Hulk was a lot of fun for as briefly as he showed up because you don't want him to overshadow Jennifer in his own in her own show, and She Hulk did amazing work. Uh, the CGI was a lot better than the first trailers. I mean, it was still a little wonky at times, and I know they're having trouble with VFX artists and underpaying them and stuff like that. So I'm not going to focus on that, but I will say the <clears throat> when she got a chance to shine, when she was showing off her powers. It was really good, really well done. I like her a lot. Now, what I don't like, <laughs> and let me say, I like and I wanted them to have um, a plot line like this. I just don't like the execution overall. <clears throat> was her uh, big bad of this, essentially, is a bunch of incels. And well, as we all saw on online, you know, mostly Twitter on my end is where I saw it, was a bunch of people complaining, saying, how dare she take away the title from the Hulk, you know, she's just a woman, blah, 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 it's all legacy character stuff, I'm like, well, you can have that argument, but once again, you're voicing it very poorly, <laughs> very poorly. However, it's like these people have never read comics before. When she first showed up, what was it late, late 70s, early 80s, it's like, you know, it was because of the blood transfusion she came about and had these powers, and it was she was so different from the Hulk in a way that brought 
about something new while also alla allowing for at the time someone to establish a female character to you know use hype behind it so oh, a female Hulk oh, what's that about so I did enjoy that idea but they overplayed their hand with it a lot it just very oh my gosh and delicious is the word I would use it's like any any man with a strong position was automatically wrong a lot of the time uh, they were always very dismissive of her and I'm not saying that those characters don't exist those people don't exist because they most certainly do it's just it got to the point of like oh my gosh is every single person I gonna make Matt like that I'm glad they didn't by the way <laughs> but I didn't like that I did um, <clears throat> some other things as well uh, I just lost my train of thought <laughs> as often happens with me as I'm getting older <laughs> so I mean, uh, like I said, the CGI could get bad in areas. It was much better in the trailer, but you know, it was very iffy. I didn't like what they did with the Wrecking Crew. They just made a bunch of nobodies when they should be wielding weapons with you know Asgardian power in them. And the, the whole Intelligentsia thing was, once again, just overplayed in that idea of the, the incel culture movement, which, once again, is something they should bring up and attack against. But it was just so heavy-handed. It wasn't fun. Like I, I want, I like the message. Message is good, but portray it better. So, that's that. Overall, I would say Shoe Hulk really worth your time. It's, I mean, it's, as with everything that has come out with Marvel, it's just it's new and different, which is true. <laughs> and speaking of new and different in Marvel, Werewolf by Night was a very fun, just uh, special uh, for <clears throat> to see. Uh, Jack Russell and Elsa Bloodstone on screen for the first time ever was really great. And we got to see an impressive man thing there. Oh my gosh, I was, when he showed up on the screen, it was so beautiful. Because the only other time we've had a man thing on uh, live action that I can recall at least is that awful sci fi movie. <laughs> Made in like 2006 or something like that. I mean, for for what it is, it's okay, but it's not like true to the man thing mythos. So, uh, Werewolf by Night, really fun. I hope they do more things like it and that they can introduce other characters that really, I don't think Werewolf by Night really needs a series. I mean, if he's in the Midnight Suns, is what seems to be the case, I'm really for that. So, I'm looking forward to see what they do with stuff like that. But um, like I think they're going to do the same with uh, Nova as well. And instead of turning it into a movie or a TV show, just have another special, which I think would work well for Richard if they're, that's the one they're using, which you never know at this stage. So Werewolf by Night, uh, the ambiance they just created, the, the, the 30s, 40s, uh, universal horror classic. I mean, I'm a huge fan of those movies, so I love the aesthetic they were using there. Just really great. I was actually, I was hoping for Blade to show up, but they are also having issues with his script and everything, so it is what it is, but definitely really good. The other thing I watched uh, in its entirety would be The Midnight Club, which was a Netflix vessel. Um, basically, it's uh, a bunch of kids who are suffering from different forms of uh, cancer and leukemia and stuff like that are all in this house together where they're being treated and cared for. But they all, at every night, go down to the sub-basement they think that uh, no one knows about but them. And they tell horror stories to each other. What a fun premise. What an excellent idea. 
I have not read the source material, and I know that they adapted other books that the author wrote for this series, but, like, I really want to go check them out now because, I mean, other than your typical Netflix uh, agenda stuff, like they're going to keep doing and shoving down our throats, whether we like it or not, I really enjoyed it. It was super, I mean, real and just genuine. And his portrayal of, you know, I'm these poor young kids are dealing with something terminal, like, what is my life worth at this point in time? Like, why do I even keep fighting? What's the point of any of this? And you got some characters, like, they're really going to come off really bad when you first see them, but then when you actually get to know them, it's like, yes, there is more depth to you than meets the eye. So Midnight Club is a great show. Highly recommended for me. Let's see, as far as anime is concerned... Um, I finished Zoids New Century uh, slash Zero much better than the original Zoids I have not started the sequel to that yet I think it's Fusors Uh, I'm in the midst of watching Noir which I'm going to talk about in depth because uh, if it keeps up where it's at right now it is definitely going to (laughs) get on my top 100 list and uh, ruin the rankings (laughs) but I'll figure that out when the time comes so that's a me problem not a you problem and see beyond that i'm continuing to watch fairy tale um i'm really excited for this last last arc because uh they're heading off to the alvarez empire i've heard a couple of spoilers there that sounds exciting so what i'm really hoping for is that urza finally gets a fight where she wins legitimately instead of these bs ways because like i said I, i love her so much but it's one of those only the author can save the mouse in areas almost every single fight she's had uh, since, uh, what was it, uh, what was the arc when they were on, uh, the island where Mavis came from, whatever that arc was, that ever since then, she just kept having these fights where, if I think about it, I'm gonna get mad, so, (laughs) that's it, uh, so I believe that's it for what I've been watching, what have I been reading, well, manga-wise, let's, uh, bring up the old manga plus, and let's see, first up would be... Uh, Black Clover. Nothing, nothing too heavy since last time, if I'm recalling correctly. Um, also continuing his training, learning more about the land of the sun, uh, going with that devil union, uh, the, the imperfect devil union, if I'm remembering my, the art correctly. <clears throat> was really good. Let's see, next up would be Blue Box. And it wasn't like I predicted, but it was in a way that I predicted. Taiki didn't give an answer about how he actually felt, you know, about uh, he was supposed to reveal the girl that he liked. And, of course, this being what it is, he did not. And Kyo, good old, good old Kyo stepped up and uh, saved the day instead of actually allowing there to be development. <laughs> but what was really good about the chapter, I will say, though, <clears throat> is near the end with uh, Shinatsu, uh, Essentially, staking her claim <laughs> on Taiki by uh, drawing, uh, I forget what she was drawing on, but uh, something that he had, and he thought it was a water bottle, but it was actually a boar, and just you know, shooting a shot in a, a subtle way. So I do like that, but it just seems like we're just going to keep getting small moments like that rather than... What I'm looking for, uh, progress. <laughs> so I'm not a huge fan of that. 
but I will take what I can get, is what I'll say. Next up on our docket is Chainsaw Man. And uh, I don't remember. I think I talked about it last time with the way um, uh, Yuko basically told Asa that she's going to go into school because she's made a deal with um, the Justice Devil to attack her classmates. But now we see, okay, well, obviously she's not going to stand much of a chance. But the reason she would show up at all other than to protect those people is that Yoru, a war devil, is basically telling her, like, look, well, if she shows up there and attacks students, well, who else is going to show up? Chainsaw Man. It's like, well, that makes perfect sense for why she would want to go and why she would stop, why she wouldn't stop Asa from going there to stop, uh, <clears throat> oh my gosh, I just said her name a second ago, didn't I? My memory is so bad. Uh, Yuko. Now I'm even debating if I said that in the first place. <laughs> I guess I'll just have to go back and he listen to me hear that when I'm, you know, quote-unquote, editing. <laughs> but uh, the cliffhanger with the two of them facing off with each other, really great. Great, goodness gracious, I cannot speak today. Really great. So, great chapter of uh, Chainsaw Man there. Really looking forward to the way that things are going to progress. However, we do all need to um, take a moment of silence in memory of those that we've lost. Thank you for your participation. <laughs> for the Hunter's Guild Red Hood, you're continuing on to Legacy, and it just feels good that there are other people doing it with me. <laughs> Next up will be Jujutsu Kaisen. Um, continuing on from before, uh, I, th I forgot to mention, I'm pretty sure... I forgot to mention <clears throat> that, um, what was that? Oh my gosh, my memory is so bad. <laughs> I'm keeping this in. I'll just listen to my misery. Oh, Sukuna had told Yuji that he was the one that Angel was talking about. And we go into this in him talking without talking to Megumi about uh, exactly what Sukuna had told him was pretty great comedy in the midst of all this really loving that I mean uh, it's, it's been so long since we've seen him I'm so glad to see our little dork <laughs> so much fun now after that would be uh, National Magic and Muscles and Lemon continuing to get a little bit of shine here not as much as I'd like she did get saved but you know that's that's shown in for you um, <laughs> but the reveal <laughs> Of the three of them being unable to turn the, the clock device or whatever it is to bring MASH back to life altogether was hilarious. What I'm hoping is true is that they were just uh, pushing the wrong way <laughs> and making it more difficult for themselves. Because uh, that sounds like something Mashal would pull. Really great Mashal chapter. Uh, next up will be My Hero Academia. Uh, I, I left after last chapter a little upset with the reveal of the new quirk and everything. This one, as it explained it more, I was more positive on it. I'm still, I wish Deku had different quirks, but at the end of the day, this is what we're given. This is reality that exists, so I'm going to handle it like that. And I enjoyed the explanation <clears throat> of uh, the second user's quirk, uh, the way he can, you know, move around differently in ways it couldn't before, so it does change parts of the aspects that were already there, one for all. 
really fun. I'm just curious to see how we're going to keep moving beyond all this into the other fights when this is like the biggest one around. I don't know. Like, I'm going to trust Torikoshi Sensei and we're going to see how everything goes. I don't know. It's just, I, I don't want it to end poorly. I think it's my biggest fear right now is that MHA is going to drop the ball at the very end and it's going to ruin how I feel about it. So, I don't know. This is just my anxieties about everything. <laughs> so, moving on from My Hero Academia, we get to One Piece, where I was right. And uh, essential, well, technically, in that the Vegapunk we saw is not uh, the OG Vegapunk. He has separate bodies. What I did not say was that he would be child. <laughs> as they meet with him and we get some antics with Luffy uh, and the fake food and stuff like that so yeah uh, it was a good chapter of One Piece this week once again it's just, it's hard to remember everything that happens in One Piece without just looking up on the wiki <laughs> but that's that that is it for our manga section we're going to move on to comics and we do have several to cover this time around uh, starting off with uh, Daredevil number 4 where we get uh, one of the most amazing wedding sequences ever. <laughs> Where Daredevil and Electro Daredevil are facing off against uh, these ancient shades uh, to uh, fight against the hands. We see Stick once again after so long. I do love that they're bringing Foggy and Cole around for this. Because it's nice to get an everyman perspective. And for Cole to see like just how deep this world Daredevil is dealing with all the time. Really loved that, and it was oddly sweet the way that um, that they got married. Essentially, I mean, it's a weird hand or fist or whatever we're dealing with um, <clears throat> ceremony, but you know what? It works, and I do think that uh, Daredevil and Elektra are good for each other in the same way I do in a different sense with Spider-Man and Mary Jane. So, that's that. Oh, and more on that later. Goodness gracious, Marvel. And we're going to move from there from to Wolverine, uh, number 25. It's a bit of an introspective issue in the midst of the AXE. Uh, Wolverine is given his chance to be judged, and it's, it's a mixed bag. Overall, I, I did enjoy seeing this of flashbacks and how he dealt with people in the past and how he's a changed man now. But... I don't know how I feel about the whole he wants to die. Uh, I may need to reread this because I may be misremembering some things. But he doesn't see himself as worthy. And at the end, uh, he is given worthiness by the, uh, goodness gracious, not Sentinel, <laughs> Celestial. <laughs> so that's it for Wolverine. X-Force, number 32. I'll talk about this briefly. Uh really great craven scenes in this him just hacking and slashing his way through Krakoa going after mutants along the way uh, in his ultimate quest to find the strongest mutant there him uh, attacking beast and then setting him out to uh, be hunted was really great I haven't always been the biggest fan of X-Force this time around but these past couple of issues have been really good so I don't want to praise them uh, you know when we do get the chance uh, let's see, next up, oh, God. 
<clears throat> Amazing Spider-Man, number 11. And as you can tell, I am so happy to be talking about this issue, which is a shame, because this was actually pretty good until a certain part. <sighs> so, uh, we start with uh, Peter talking with Betty you know, about uh, her life and everything that's been going on there. Uh, how in uh, Spencer's run, we had found that Ned was still alive. In a similar way to how Norman Osborn had survived after seemingly being killed, the same thing happened um, to him, and now he's back, and they have a baby together. Baby has been born, but there is this mysterious hobgoblin who we are led to believe is Ned, but I don't think it is. I'll get to that in a moment. And we get to uh, Peter and... Oh, I forgot. I don't know if I mentioned that Kamala has kind of been a pseudo part of the supporting cast in this, uh, that being Miss Marvel. And I do love her addition. I, I need to say that explicitly. Like, uh, They work well together. But it kind of seems like they don't know each other's secret identities. Which is weird because unless this is out of canon, there was a Marvel team-up series they ran not too long ago where they switched bodies with each other, and if they didn't know each other's secret identities at the end, that'd be kind of weird, unless I'm misremembering and there was something that made them forget at the end of that. So, that's a little Marvel continuity quibble. Oh well. But now we get to what Wells really wants to write, which is this one, one, true, pair, <clears throat> one true pairing, instead of the legitimate one, where Spider-Man is also awkward, and he asks Felicia out. She doesn't she doesn't give him a yes, but she doesn't give him a no. And it's like, why are we doing this over again? Like, they had settled things. I, I said it before, but we just had an issue where Mary Jane and Felicia had aired out all their grievances towards each other and became even better friends. And I, uh, I, I don't like what Wells is doing. I'm very upset at that part because once again we're starting off really well with everything else but he keeps screwing it with stuff screwing it up with stuff like this so anyway we also get to peter talking to ned who's gotten back into you know reporter business but he doesn't want to give up norman you know with everything that's going on going on so he actually talks to norman for once which it seems once again seems so i really hope this is true that norman is being genuine here and uh, he's up, says that he's being blackmailed by the Hobgoblin, which is one of the things Ned Leeds had brought up to Peter, is that he had photos of uh, Roderick Kingsley and Norman together. So uh, Norman admits all that flat out and says, uh, he's blackmailing me, but I'm going to give him everything for free because I've turned over a new leaf. And Peter's going to go out and help him which is a really great mark for the two of them. Once again, I do still have, I have mixed feelings overall on how this is, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? A as a concept, the idea of Norman's sins being removed and Peter uh, wrestling with this man who killed one of the loves of his life, but still being Spider-Man, being Peter, he's not going to attack him right now. So I, I, I want to see this part done well, which I think it is, so I will give Wells praise there. But I don't want to see that fall. I don't want to see that fail. 
and it just really, really messes with me. So, as far as everything else is concerned, yeah. So on to other matters, in the midst of um, Norm making you know the deal with Roderick and giving him all the stuff that he had taken away from him in his corporate dealings, you know, essentially for free, pretty much, in a show of good faith, they're attacked by the Hobgoblin, which I, once again, I don't think it's Ned Leeds. I think it's actually the Queen Goblin in disguise. I wouldn't be surprised if it was that, uh, that being, goodness gracious, Spider-Man, um, Ashley Kafka, who's gone evil and crazy because she's a clone, and that's what we do with clones. So, I hope I'm wrong. I hope it's someone else I haven't considered, but... And that's where I think we're at. And our last comic tonight will be the Fantastic Four, no, issue number 48, which I am fairly certain is Slot's last one. Praise Jesus. <laughs> but um, it is, once again, it's still in the midst of the AXE event. The Fantastic Four are all being judged. Reed Richards has had to put himself uh, away from everything and dealing with the fallout of the Reckoning War. And all that's happened there. Less said, the better. Uh, but what I will say, and the strongest parts of this issue, and I will say his Susan Storm is one of the best we've ever had. And I, I have no issue saying with that while also criticizing everything else. This is really good for her because it shows her capability. It shows how much she's grown from the Susan, uh, <clears throat> oh, sorry, I should say Sue Richard. Susan Richard, my bad. <laughs> the... Sue Storm who began and the Sue Richards who is now they are way different characters of course one of which was you know 60s misogynism and then went into a more modern era but still we that immense growth slot shows that extremely well here with uh, her dealing with Ablouette and you know the misdirection she uses in the uh, careful use of her powers really great job done there and all that at the same time uh, with discovering that this isn't actually uh, Midas's daughter, really great job, and it's really nice to see the family all together at the end there, uh, being judged worthy. So, ah, uh, yeah, uh, it's a mixed bag, and that's that's what Slot's been bringing all these. So before I get uh, too overly negative on everything, I'm just gonna stop <laughs> and just say that I'm looking forward to see. Uh, I can't remember the new guy's name who's coming in to see what he does uh, to shake up the formula in a fun way for the Fantastic Four. And that'll be it for comics today. So on our main topic, we will be discussing my top 100 anime from number 70 to number 61. And what better way to start than with number 70? <laughs> and that, of course, would be a show that is currently airing right now because it's been a while since the manga ended, but we're finally getting that final arc that I'm so looking forward to, and that is number 70, Bleach. Yes, yes, I know, I know. Like, you have all these other series up there uh, uh, above Bleach, like, yes, and you have all these series uh, below Bleach, and it's like, yes, yes, I know. Let me, let me, de let me defend Bleach. <laughs> I'm a number one apologist for for Taito Kubo <laughs> over here Bleach is so much genuinely it's like good fun 
I love, I fell up like I said, I fell in love with the show from the moment I watched it on Toonami forever ago when I was still in high school. I'm talking about eons ago. And to see this this fun uh, shift on the you know paranormal, uh, a little bit of detective every now and then, uh, shonen battle series, just blew me away. And I loved our core cast of characters. Ichigo is one of the best protagonists we've ever had from Shonen Jump. I love Orihime. She is best girl, number one anime waifu. <laughs> Not to uh, give that away if I ever do that top 100 waifu list. But there she is. It's such a, a sweet, genuine person. Kind, caring, intelligent. But also just incredibly uh, nurturing as well for her friends. Her, her love for her best friend Tatsuki. And activating her powers then is a great part of the series. And the way she grows beyond that. And of course, a lot of people are really down on her because of the whole Kurosaki go. <laughs> When it seemed to be the only word she could say, well, I'll give you that. It wasn't her best showing. I really wish she could have done more, but once again, she, in the era she was in, not too many strong female, you know, protagonists or deuterogenists or side characters. Even in Bleach itself, uh, there are some, but, you know, they are overshadowed by their male counterparts. But let's continue with our main cast. Uh, we also go with Chad, my, my man Chad. You want to talk about someone who got shafted, <laughs> and shafted pretty hard. I, uh, his design with the, the one arm, uh, and this, uh, the way it just arches back, and the, the blast you can use. It's like, man, this has so much potential that gets wasted. <laughs> so it's not Chad's fault. He just... Uh, overpowered by other people way stronger than him. But someone else we get is Uyu Ishida. What a man. Uh, as a fun rival in a way different way than like your Naruto and Sasuke uh, or Natsu and Grey kind of rivalries. This one right here was just it's mutual respect out of mutual disgust. <laughs> that just plays off of each other so well. Um, the Quincy's is such a fun design. I love the bow and arrow aesthetic, and I'm not gonna lie, like unintentionally, when I was making uh, Blake Azarel, my um, the main protagonist of my Azarel Chronicle series, starting with Lost Time, the idea of the spiritual light bow came from there. I mean, that wasn't why I intended, but I know in the back of my mind it was there. And because of Bleach, that exists. And again, I mean, this isn't a Bleach podcast, but I, and I do have, have uh, other stuff to discuss. So I'm going to condense all my thoughts on the show. We go. The Oh, Ruki. How can I forget Ruki? Ruki Akuchiki. Uh, you want to talk about a strong female uh, deuterogenous there. Out of the series, I'd say she's the number one. Uh, her friendship with Ichigo uh, and this mutual like uh, in a different way than him and Uryu just like oh we can't stand each other oh my gosh you're my best friend <laughs> and the way they look after one another protecting each other 
uh, him going out to save her from execution in the Soul Society, which is one of the best arcs uh, in shonen manga, I'm going to put that down flat, is just amazing the way Ichigo grows in that, see the other characters grow as well, him unlocking Bankai for the first time, just like it sends chills down my spine just hearing about stuff like that. And then reliving those moments, uh, talking with you guys about that show. I, this is why Bleach is on my list. And let's talk about why Bleach is not as high on the list. <laughs> Once again, it is a sign of the times, but it's how it's handling its female characters sometimes. Gets a little grating. Not the best handled there. The way Kubo, every five seconds, has to introduce a new character in your face just because he's running out of ideas, something he admits himself multiple times over. Don't at me. <laughs> gets grating. Uh, the power creep gets really bad after a certain point. Uh, the only saving grace they get sometimes is Ichigo never saw Aizen's Bon... Uh, well, Shikai, actually. I even think we saw Aizen's Bankai, if I remember correctly. And then the whole thing with the watch and his overpowered abilities and how they got over that so not to spoil anything for those who are watching bleach for the first time there but guess what the good guys win <laughs> but uh i'm not a big fan of how that was handled the, the execution arc was okay um the uh was it sukushima really great arc villain there but other than that, just, I mean, just think about the show and everything it stands for and what it has done for the anime community. It's, there's a reason it was in, and it, it is in, the big three. It blows a lot of other shonen out of the water with how genuinely fun it is with a great world to build around cool magic and Soul Reaper abilities. You want to talk about a cool name for it, characters. A group of characters, the Soul Reapers, the Soul Society. How much fun is that? I love Bleach. I love watching Bleach. I love talking about Bleach. That is why it's my number 70 on this list. So we'll move on before I continue because there's a lot more I can, but then we have other stuff to discuss, and I do have a time crunch for, God help me, a Hebrew exam later today. So... Yeah, I did study before anyone asks, before I started recording. So we go to our number 69, nice. Infinite Revise. Now I'm sure this is one most of you probably haven't uh, seen before. Uh, it, um, I believe it came out in the year 2000, uh, if I'm recalling correctly. So essentially the core concept for this uh, particular story is that mankind has gone into space after this uh, devastating celestial event that's uh, caused some damage back on Earth, we get a bunch of kids on this uh, research station uh, that they find out there's this uh, dark secret that they've been working on uh, this whole time in this world that's been forever changed by that aforementioned incident. And in the process, it looks like they're all going to be uh, wiped out by someone who doesn't want them to... Uh, learn the secret, you get some terrorists involved, you try to blow it up, but about a little under 500 of them, if I remember correctly, of just these kids are able to board this ship called the Revias, hence the name. 
and escape from this while the adults sacrifice themselves to ensure that they get to live. And we get this insane story of uh, lost in space and uh, their travels to get get back home. Their families all think they're dead. They're being in the people who do know that they're still alive have dubbed them traitors and terrorists and awful because there's this huge government conspiracy around the Revias. Um, what, what else was I thinking of in the midst of this? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, my Alzheimer's. <laughs> my early onset Alzheimer's has never been as hard as it is right now. Um, oh, other uh, series to describe it as. Uh, definitely Galaxy Drifter Bifon would be one. Not They're not one-to-ones, mind you, but it's the uh, central concept of a bunch of kids on a spaceship trying to come back home. And you also get a lot more, probably more blatantly than everything else, your Lord of the Flies. And it, it deals with the struggles of, okay, well, we're all here. Most of us want to go back home, but how do we handle that? What kind of government do we have? Do we... Is there any crime and punish? Uh, how do we punish crime in the midst of this? How do we, like, who makes the rules now? Who gets to be in charge? It's a very fun experiment that they're thrown into, and there's a whole mystery of, like, what is the ship? Why was it built in the first place? Why did they, uh, we aren't there a bunch of people that really want them to be dead? Infinite Revias is immensely great. One of those shows I'm definitely going to need to rewatch at some point in time uh, just to, you know, regain my appreciation for it. So that's about it for uh, number 69, Infinite Revias, which will bring us to the number 68 on our list, which is Death Parade. What an excellent series. We've got uh, essentially core concepts of this as well is there are when people die what happens to them well that's a question many societies ask if you go to my church you're going to say oh it's this you get a you know somewhere else you're going to say oh there's nothing someone else say get something completely different and death parade how it's handled is when people die their souls are taken to this place where they are judged uh, by these mysterious figures you know are they angels are they are they demons are they something completely different and they play games. <laughs> as simple as that looks, just um, on the surface, what they do is to say, oh, we're going to play some billiards today, or we're going to play some darts. And through the process, uh, those people in charge of this, these games are just trying to figure out, okay, who was this person? What were they about? Do they deserve another chance at life, or do they need to ascend, or do they need to go to the depths below? And it's just this really tightly paced uh, series where we get our main man, Deckham, who, or Decim, however heck you pronounce it in the show. If it was Latin, it'd be Deckham, but, you know, people don't go with the hard uh, C sound all the time for K. And his journey, like, you think, he seems a little emotionless times to say what all the all of them are about are they supposed to be these supposedly uh what's the word i'm looking for impartial judges <clears throat> to where well only a, an emotionless being could ever say like this is truly right because these are the rules 
which brings us into one of our main conflicts is that there is uh, a young woman brought on. She doesn't get a name for a very long time in the show and uh, uses her to, you know, challenge him and say, look, you made this, these decisions and I think you made the wrong call because she gave up her life making herself look like some terrible person so that she could save this man. And if you just look at, look at it from a flat logical process, you're never going to see someone's emotions. And it gets in that whole part of the human condition, like what makes us human? Like how are we to understand our own emotions, our own feelings, our own decisions that we make in life? Does that truly define us? Does one decision define us at the end of the day? Uh, are we even worthy at all of you know reaching uh, heaven? And I'm going to argue no, <laughs> uh, because I come from a Christian background, but you know, in the show, it's going to take them in a different direction. And it's a lot of fun in how they portray these ideals. And we learned there's other people beyond uh, that can, who make decisions in the process of all this. It's like, well, what makes them so great? How are they able to do that? You know, is there a God behind all of these decision-making uh, opportunities to see if these people are worthy of a new life or heaven or what have you? And we want to talk about a, a great opening that is in complete contrast to everything else. We're going to talk about Death Parade because, uh, what is it, the Flyers are the ones that did it? Yeah, or Bradio, or I can't remember which, which is the name of the song, which one is the name of the band. <laughs> but it's just truly fun. Uh, I definitely would recommend you look at that. I would also say, if you're feeling a little down, probably not the best thing to watch without you know some serious uh, self-reflection and time to understand some things and you're just moving past certain emotions you may have because there may be some things in there that mess with you there's some darker subjects that are brought up as well so just for the sake of you know watching the content that may worry you at some point in time maybe give death parade a little bit of a wait before you start it so that'd be the only thing i could say that would prevent you from watching a show like this which then brings us to number 66, uh, no, 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 number 67, which is Erased. And we're talking about an OP that clashes with the style <laughs> of the show itself. Uh, erased is where you're going. But as far as the show itself is concerned, I watched this um, maybe two or three years ago. Uh, I think it was on Netflix at the time, and... I hadn't heard a single thing about it. Showed up on the feed, and I'm like, "Sure, I'll try it out." And I'm so glad I did, because Erased was one of the. I mean, it's an easy to figure out murder mystery show. At the end of the day, and I'll get to that and why it's so low on the list. But overall, like, well, let's just start at the beginning. So we start uh, several years, and what would be our present? Where this young man, uh, Satoru, is his name? Yes, yeah, Satoru. Uh, who has the ability to see things happen before they happen. Uh, and it's where he can prevent a tragedy, so he sees a couple maybe minutes or so in the future, so he goes and tries to stop those things from happening. And we get to, to all of this, and we meet his mom as well, one of the greatest characters in fiction. Oh, gosh, what is this? What is uh, his mom's name? Sachiko. <laughs> you want to talk about one of the greatest parents in anime. You want to talk about one of the greatest uh, 
I mean, female characters ever. I mean, she's on that list somewhere. She is such a support for him, while at the same time, she's got her own motivations. She's such got such an inquisitive mind to ask things, but I'm moving forward again. <laughs> Destroying the structure of this, you know, very structured program. Anyway, uh, so that's his ability, is he's able to, you know, prevent certain things from happening if he sees them. Which gets us to the point of him going back to his apartment, talking with his mom, and them discussing the events that happened when he was a kid, where one of his uh, fellow students was murdered. And as they're trying to uncover, she has always tried to look into stuff like this. The killer strikes back and kills her, framing him for the murder. And as he's saved by his, uh, his friend uh, that also works for the same, it's a pizza place, as him, uh, Ivy, I think her name is. He goes back in time, dealing with the trauma of all this, and finds himself back in the body when he was uh, 11 or 12, something like that. And he gets to relive his life from that point on in this moment. It's like, okay, why was I brought back here? Why would my powers do this? Is it because we're trying to prevent the, that murder? Because we soon discover uh, that one murder wasn't the only one. There were several others that took place at the same time. And he realizes, oh, well, if I'm back here, maybe I can stop it. Maybe I can uh, figure out what happens. So he starts befriending the girl he knows is going to be one of the first to be murdered there. And we get into her situation, one of the most heartbreaking uh, examples of parental abuse shown in anime that I can think of. Uh, how, <clears throat> how I'll just despise they look at poor... Uh, what was her name? Kayo. Yeah. And her eventually being just this, uh, excuse me, starting off as this ice queen, like, I don't want anyone to get close to me because, like, she feels like like no one would ever love her, no one uh, could ever understand her, like, anyone out there is just going to try and get me. And then actually performing, excuse me, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, then warming up to him along the way as he shows genuine love and faith in her and you get with the whole ethics of you know he's mentally in his late 20s but in his body he's young but it's handled a lot better than i would say a lot of other shows do you know looking at you mishoko tensei which i despise <laughs> and i don't despise you if you like it it's just isekai trash in the worst way so anyways on to our actual show when Satoru gets Isekai back in his own past. <laughs> and it's just the development of them is like, it starts off very cute and loving and uh, having her come out of her shell and just warming up after all this time to have someone genuinely care about her. And that's another way that uh, Sachiko does extremely well and like being a loving, supportive mother to not only her own child, but to this other girl and his friends as well. He's got some really great friends at this time it's just a really fun like our core cast here is really great really enjoyable let's go into the the negatives to why this is as low as it is and the most obvious being how easy it is to figure out who the killer is like it's not even up for debate uh there are red herrings but they are so obviously red herrings it's not even funny uh, we do eventually find out along the way 
it is his teacher who is the perpetrator of all these crimes uh, has caused all this death it's just like that's all he does <clears throat> uh, in this time it's just like he gets his jollies off doing that and as we go through the show um, Satoru figures out who it is way too late and it looks like he's going to be killed but instead he's put on life support and he's in a coma for, until he's about 29 like he would have been in the present wakes up, finds everything's changed, and he manages to find a way to you know, put the killer to justice. But that's the worst part of the show, is parts of the ending. Like, I'm really glad, don't get me wrong, a lot of people say, well, we didn't end up with Kaio. It's like, well, what, how many times do you legitimately see someone in middle school, or I think they may even be in fifth grade at this point in time, you know, staying together till the end? Uh, I can think of very few people who have lasted that long and ended up married and together. That's not why I don't like it. Because that's natural. That makes sense. I mean, who wouldn't move on after that? So, my issue is with the pacing, with uh, how easy it is to figure out who the killer is, and, I don't know, the ending, it just doesn't mesh well with me, but... Overall, a race is worth your time. Try it out. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> Which happens way more often than I like to admit. That was our number 67. We're on to number 66, which is Gundam Wing. Mobile suit Gundam Wing. <laughs> and I know there are some of you raging right now. It's like, how dare you put this on your top 100 list? This show is trash. You are trash for putting it on there. And I admit it, I am trash. <laughs> As you've probably figured out, I'm a 90s kid. The Toonami schedule that came out was some of the most formative in my life. And one of those was my first ever mecha series. Mobile Suit Gundam Wing. <laughs> Which, um, if my math is right, let me think. Uh, let's see. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. No, no, five. Yeah, um, yeah. If my math is right, then Gundam Wing is my fifth favorite overall <laughs> in the Gundam series, which spoils that there are four more Gundam series on this list, but you don't know where. So the anticipation is just killing you. Well, if you want to talk about a heavily flawed but heavily enjoyable show especially in light of all the other Gundam series I've seen Gundam Wing is the show for you <laughs> I love the show I love its characters I love the Gundam designs uh, Relina is one of my favorite uh, fictional uh, fe well, I don't know why I had a preface for fictional but favorite female characters she was eye-opening to me uh, when I was young, especially with, you know, living up in America, you hear, uh, especially at that point in time, way before 9-11 uh, and all those events happened, you know, you just had a st standard American jingoistic experience of, you know, we've got to go to war and solve things. And I, at the end of the day, I'm a bit, I, like I said, I've, I lean right at the end of the day, but 
I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Libertarian. I'm a whatever. I'm like Gonzo. <laughs> but I do believe certain times you do need to fight, and there are other times when you should choose peace. And Melina is, I mean, in many ways, one of the reasons why I have that philosophy. Uh, not to the extent that she does. She's more of an absolute pacifist. But the reason I do have pacific, pacifistic tendencies outside of my love for Jesus Christ and his message is based on things that she would say. And it was so, like I said, just formative for a young man hearing an opposite viewpoint of, yeah, war is good, we should do this, we should fight and solve our problems that way. And say, wait, well, yeah, but if we fight, people are going to die. And you don't think about that when you're young because, you know, it just seems like an exciting prospect. Like, what boy doesn't want to join the Army or the Air Force or something, you know, one day? And you're not thinking of the consequences. You're not thinking of the other people who are going to die in a war you're going to have to fight in. But what Relina would do is she would bring up stuff like that and to a young mind. It's like, I hate her. I don't like what she's saying. She's saying the opposite of what I want to think until I actually thought about it. And once again, I don't totally align with her, but at the end of the day, I'm at where I'm at right now because of things she would say. As silly as that is to say out loud. <laughs> so... She's one of the greatest, uh, and as such, she is one of the greatest Gundam characters of all time because of how many XPs she has in other series, because of how they saw her. Like, we get uh, Lacus in Gundam Seed. We get Kudelia in Iron-Blooded Orphans. It's like, without her, that character archetype, we don't really see in Gundam as much. So, uh, beyond her, why I actually love the series, are the fights. I mean, it's just plain and simple. Like, story-wise, <laughs> don't go in expecting Citizen Kane. You should expect that for most anime out there, but especially for Gundam Wing. The whole Oz and White Fang and uh, Trays and uh, Zex and Fighting Hero and all that, uh, politics, whatever, whatever. Gundam fights, amazing. Wonderful action. Wonderfully drawn. Just a fun, fun show. Gundam Wing up there as my number 66, which will bring us to my number 65, which is Canon, and that's with a K. <laughs> Similar in concept to its sister series, Clanad, which, spoilers, will be on the list later on. Canon has our main male protagonist meeting a bunch of girls in a town that he moves to, or, uh, or a school he moves into, in the case of uh, Clanad, where they all have their different problems, and he goes out and helps to, you know, work with them, figure out who they are, what they're about, and eventually find love along the way. Now, it is my understanding that the original Canon is an H game, which I'm not in favor of, and from what I've read about it on TV Tropes, apparently it's, those parts of the game are the worst parts, and the story was actually good, so they actually decided to make light novels and an anime out of those so i cannot confirm any of that i'm just going off of what tv trope says so i'm glad it exists not really glad about how it existed <laughs> but we start with our pro tag Yuichi going uh, into his new town well it's fairly new because he used to live here a while back with his aunt and his uh, cousin which of course if it's not a sister, it's a cousin in Japan who has feelings for him along with the other girls he meets along the way. We meet our um, <clears throat> uh, other ones like Ayu, 
uh, who's one of the sweetest characters we've ever had in anime. Uh, genuinely kind. We get uh, Shiori as well. We get our little fox girl, Makoto. And my personal favorite out of the series is Mai Kawasumi, who is seems to be, at first seems to be just a, a Chumbio, until you figure out that there's something more going on there with uh, her wanting to protect the school at night and her connection with Yuichi and all that. Like I said, she's my personal favorite out of all the ones. Although I am glad he ended up with the one he ends up with, so I won't spoil that. Why am I spoiling some and spoiling others? Uh, and not spoiling others? I don't know. <laughs> don't expect consistency out of me. But what Canon does is as he's in the midst of figuring out all these mysteries around these other girls, trying to find out more about himself as well and the parts of his past he doesn't remember because, of course, there's amnesia. <laughs> I mean, what else do you expect? Um, and Yuichi is his journey as he continues to grow. Canon is just... Uh, there's some melodrama in a good way. Like I said, I'm not the biggest fan of melodrama, but it does it well. It provides a lot of really engaging stories for all our main cast. Very fun show. Go check out Canon, which will bring us to our number 64 on the list, Paranoia Agent. This is another one I was introduced to by uh, Adult Swim and Toonami. And this was actually also my introduction to the works of Satoshi Kon, who uh, he of, uh, see, Paprika and Perfect Blue fame, as well as a couple of others on that list. And Perfect Blue, of course, being my favorite anime film I've ever watched. Uh, I did not make an anime film list and add them to this because I think I forgot to put that in the rules because, I mean, they're so different from each other. A series versus a movie. Yeah, yeah, they're different concepts. But as far as Paranoia Agent is concerned, I did not understand a single thing that happened the first time I watched it. I was young and dumb. And like, I'm, it's not like I wasn't philosophically minded. It's just, I, I at the time, I, what I really wanted to watch were more shonen type shows. And this is most definitely not what Paranoia Agent is. <laughs> but it provided, as I watched it again later on in life, it's like, well, maybe I'll give it another shot. This stunning look into the human psyche, into lies, into... Uh, before the term would actually get more widespread memes and uh, you know urban legends and stuff like that that would just get carried around and how damaging that can be if we just let the words that come out of our mouths just cause harm to other people so I, I don't really know how to talk about it without going super in depth about Paranoia Agent but I've got to say this is one of those that you have to watch if not once, watch it twice so you can understand how everything connects together, like how Little Slugger or or Shonen Bat, if you prefer that one, if you're watching the sub. How these lies culminate into something that almost destroys the entire world. <laughs> I mean, if you want to talk about one of its core messages is that our words have power. And if we just let these things slide and just keep moving forward, and the lies, you know, snowball, 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 it's going to cause immense devastation to those who hear them as truth. And you want to talk about something that's incredibly relevant in today's society, look no further than that ideal. This whole fake news thing is like, well, how much is actual fake news or me just saying it's fake news because it doesn't align with what I believe in? That's awful. 
looking at things like that. But that's how people are working now. It's something that needs to be called out more. Uh, right, left, however you want to call it, everyone's doing it. I've done it before. We need to stop because all it does is destroy reality and the truth. And it has no place in the world because there's enough issues as there is without us making more. Paranoia agent establishes all these things and you know the, the importance of life and how we should value it amongst other ideals and themes it brings up. What a great show. Number 63. The original Macross. Stellar show. Uh, I, of course, watched this originally in its Robotech form where it spliced together the original Macross and, uh, what's it, Southern Cross and whatever the third one was, which are wholly separate series. So I'm only going to talk about the Mass Cross, Matt Cross parts of this because obviously they're not connected there's a different thing than Robotech on this especially since I've watched the rest of the uh, Macross series <sighs> even Delta <laughs> but Macross was such a beautiful show in a way that changed up the mecha formula to this extent that we, you would have your combining mecha but did you have a combining city mecha that was also a ship <laughs> That had a piece of the Earth, an ocean in it, because of a, a giant accident as Earth was attacked by the Centrati. You have your, I mean, how many of you have seen a show where uh, your mecha turns into a jet? I mean, Gundam's done it before, but this is one that really popularized the concept in a warlike setting. And once again, not downplaying what Gundam has done, but when I think turning into a plane, I think Macross. And, of course, we get our fabled Macross love triangle starting off with this that has become a staple of the genre since then as well in several other shows. Not that it invented love triangles, but in this mecha format. Uh, in the same way, like, Amuro never really was in a love triangle, even though he had several women he was interested in um, along the way. Same thing with Judo uh, or Camille. It's handled way differently here. So, Macross, what a beautifully animated show. The mecha fights are amazing, just sublime to watch. And we get our whole humans and trotty conflict there, which uh, I think I've said before, I'm not the biggest fan of idols, but the Min May in this one is such an important aspect that becomes such a staple of the franchise as time goes on because of the effect music has on the Zentradi. And what an interesting idea to have your alien race attack, attacking humans be so affected by music that it causes them to get disgruntled, to become confused and unable to figure out what they're doing. Like, I never would have thought of something like that. That's such a fun idea, and I love seeing it in that. But uh, yeah, I think that's all, about all I have to say on Macross. So our number 62 after that, will be something that I know will infuriate a lot of people with how low it is. Attack on Titan. It's like, wow. Uh, I consistently see this, if not people's top one in their top ten. And it's this low, Christian? Why is that? Wait and see. Blah, blah, blah. Well, part of that is the ending. I will get that out of the way. And then parts of it is it gets a little too grim dark for its own taste. However, Focusing on positives first. 
I was introduced to Attack on Titan by Attack on Titan Abridged. <laughs> that being done by Team Four Star until they were unjustly uh, copyright stricken, as is often the case. Because Japan doesn't understand international copyright law. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. I said, okay, this is so much fun. What about the actual show? It's, you know, parody. So I watched it. Wow. <laughs> you want to talk about twists and turns. You want to talk about surprises. You want to talk about action and gore and all these uh, great action scenes. Attack on Titan brings that and more. Uh, I mean, who among you has not watched it or at least knows about the, the central idea of the show? I mean, the Titans are there trying to eat humans. I mean, it's at least at the very beginning. And you get Eren's journey with uh, Mikasa and Armin as they're you know, joining the scouts uh, to try and figure out the mystery, try and make it so humanity can expand again. Like, what are these Titans? Where did they come from? Like, are they human? Are they created beings by something else? Are they, you know, something we haven't heard of before? Like, what, who made them? Did they, were they made? Have they always been here? Why is humanity stuck behind these walls? Is there anyone else outside beside us? Such great driving questions that propel the, fl the plot forward, along with the basement. <laughs> that took forever to resolve. But uh, it's so much fun walking, watching this show unfold. The first season is one of those shows that got me back into anime. Uh, the others, if I remember uh, bringing up later on, will be another one on these on this list. I had so much a zeal for it. And then that's when I learned there was a monthly manga. And I said, okay, I'll wait. And I watched the second season. Learned some more about the world. Same thing. I'm going to wait. Third season. Can't do this. Need to keep going. Read the manga. I have read the whole thing. The final season is airing uh, within the next couple of months. I'm so looking forward to that, even with the ending. Yeah, this show does conspiracy well. This show does action well. It does mystery well. The characters aren't the greatest. Aaron is a little flat. I know people have him as top one MC. I don't hate Aaron. Let me get that out of the way. I just think he's overhyped. Mikasa could be better. Her devotion to Aaron is nice, but at the same time gets a little grating, like, you know, have something for yourself, girl. There are other things in life than this man. Uh, my favorite character is actually Historia, which is a shame because she didn't get all the focus I was hoping for her near the end. And moving on beyond all that, all the negatives there, we get the reveal, you know, Aaron becoming a titan. It's like, okay, that means humans can become titans. What was that? Well, does it mean the Colossal Titan was a titan? The Armored Titan was a human as well? Uh, I think I said the Colossal Titan was a titan. <laughs> was a human. And then learning, like, oh my gosh, it was Reiner and Bertold, and they're from outside the wall. Not only that, but uh, Annie is one as well. She's a female titan, and oh, oh, there are other people there too. Like, where did they come from? Their humanity, are they thriving outside the walls? Are they allied with the titans? What's going on here? And you get into uh, the mystery with uh, why are they stuck behind the walls? Such a great part of the show. And then you go on even further as you get into the last couple seasons. And we get into Marley. 
and the LDN people, how they've been so horribly treated as this ethnic minority. Well, at the same time, if you learn the history, they did the exact same thing, and it gets into very huge issues that should be uh, brought to focus in our world as well, of how, I mean, we just talked about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, of how you know Jews would have supremacy for a bit, and they would uh, treat Arab, uh, the Arabian people and Palestinian people horribly. Then you would have the Christians come in at, with the Crusades, and they would do the same to them, uh, wiping anyone who wasn't Christian, and you would have the same thing happen when you know the Muslims would take over again. They'd do the exact same thing to people before them were doing, except they were in charge now. And then you get the point with, uh, and we're not going to solve the Israeli-Palestine conflict in the sake of this podcast, but I'm using it as an example, where there are both sides. One wants to be, Israel wants people to leave them alone, while at the same time they've taken control of these territories that they believe should be free and independent. Like, how do we solve that issue? What, and Attack on Titan brings up certain aspects of that as well. I want to get far away from the political side of things there. This is not a politics uh, podcast. <laughs> um, <clears throat> it's like, okay, well, who's in the right here? Can the cycle of revenge ever die? And the same thing applies to our own world in that respect. Like, well, this guy started it, you know, you know 2,000, 3,000 years ago, or uh, this man killed my mother the other year, and I'm going to kill him because he did this. Well, he killed my mother because something happened to him. It's like, when does the cycle of revenge stop? And Attack on Titan answers that. And I would say, at the end, not as well as I would hope. And the final chapter is very divisive. At the end, I've come out more positive than my first reading. I was so upset the first time I read it. I took some more time. I read it over again. And I'm more accepting of what it is now. I'm not here to rewrite reality and say, well, I could write a better ending. Maybe I could. But I didn't also write the beginning of the story from the beginning. Like, I would have written things completely differently. I'm not the one who made it. So at the end of the day, it is his story to tell. And that's the way he told it. And I accept that. That's why it's as low as it is on my list. Despite how much I love the beginning and the middle, you know, it drags on a bit. So that's Attack on Titan. Before I go any further and keep making people angry. Let's talk about something pretty much everyone has a favorable opinion on. And that's my number 61, Lupin the Third. Now, I am combining uh, pretty much every Lupin series there is uh, from part one to part six all the way. Uh, yeah. Mostly because I don't really have a favorite out of, you know, any of those particular parts. Uh, maybe five but I'd be stretching it a bit because they all have something of value to bring. So I'm combining them all into just this one uh, place on the list. Lupin the Third is atypical for series I would typically like. You've got your, I mean, they're lovable rogues, but they're also terrible people. <laughs> I mean, they do have moments every now and then to humanize them. Uh, especially your Jigens and Goemons compared to your Lupons and Fujiko. But at the end of the day, these lovable rapscallions are also terrible people doing terrible things <laughs> for the sake of the game. It's not, Lupon doesn't need the money. Fujiko doesn't need the money. Like, they're doing it for fun. And that's enjoyable to watch because it's just that whole... Uh, aspect Lupin has with Zenigata, that whole Inspector Javert angle that they have between them, uh, 
just a continual fight they have. You know, there's Inigata representing the law, Lupin representing the freedom of man to make his own choices and be rebellious, you know, against the man. <clears throat> and you've got Jigen as that, what a classic character. And just in his way of composing himself, in his way of, you know, I'm doing this, you know, because I'm good at it, you know? Why else would he do it? And Goemon, you know, the whole history, if you know your Japanese history of the man who was, uh, was it boiled alive, boiled alive or something like that, and then the continual lineage leads to our Goemon in the present. And his samurai way is conflicting with the uh, uh, inherent anarchy and the way that Lupin looks at the world. And of course, we've got our most amazing Fujiko Mine as our femme fatale, uh, adding some much needed femininity. <laughs> to the rest of the supporting cast. Well, actually, uh, she's not supporting cast. Main character, Judah Rogers, however you want to say it. And just the high state perform, the way they do things. It's so much fun just watching what wacky things they're going to do. Like, how is he going to, you know, find this, I don't know, diamond that's under this world-class security? How is he going to trick Zenigata this time? How are they going to team up this time against a bigger threat? Lupin the Third is just an amazing show I love watching it when a new series gets announced my hype just increases you guys should all check it out like you don't need to start with the beginning I would recommend you do you know because I'm a completionist but you know check out a part four check out a part five or six like they're gonna give you enough information to figure out you know what the series is about how things go Lupin the third parts one through six essentially is my number 61 that will bring us to the end of the podcast today so thank you again for listening we are the starving writers guild we are writers helping other writers you can visit our resources and our website at starvingwritersguild.com that's where you'll find our books we are mc ashley barbara page and john transylvania uh, you can also find our work on amazon as well please do us a favor to leave us a five-star review on your podcasting platform of choice it really helps us out with the analytics thank you once again and until next time see ya